Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me is Derek Brissett. Uh, Derek, holy moly, we got international rugby. We got Canadian international rugby. This is amazing. I mean, the game was was uh, just a slaughter fest, but, but... But we knew that would happen, and it was... We knew that was coming. And there is a lot of positives that did come out of it. There was positive. Exactly, yeah. Positive. So it was fun, and the arrows won. This could be... This the arrows did win, yeah. This is... It was a... a happy podcast. It was a great um, way to bookmark Montreal the Montreal hasn't won the Stanley Cup, so that's also positive. So we're also still happy there. Um, yeah, 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 indifferent. Indifferent about that. Yeah, um, that was too good. But. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of rugby. Were there, other than the Canada game, were there any other matches uh, this weekend that like you just were like jaw dropped? Oh my gosh, this was such a great game. Uh, like outside of like the other internationals, yeah. Um, I thought like Uruguay, I thought put in a really strong performance. Yeah, the Argentina fifteen. So that's a big little message of intent. Uh, disappointed to see that was it Chile Colombia that kind of got canceled because of COVID. So now Chile just moves on. That's you know that's a, not the greatest. It's a bummer. One, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, Ivory Coast uh, beaten the. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Namibia. My God. Yeah. Now, granted, they didn't have a lot. Like, this wasn't really Namibia's first team. So, like, a lot of the guys that played from at the World Cup weren't there. No. And and I mean, that's kind of fair, but I feel like you still somewhat expect Namibia in that. Um, But you know what that does? In all honesty, it's just that makes it fun. And I think it's one of those, you know, one of those games where it's like, I think those countries like Namibia or Canada and stuff that are kind of like those tier two nations, but are kind of like, there's the other tier two nations that don't usually make the world cups and stuff. And it's like, like they're, they're coming, man. Like that gap is that gap's closed in Chile. Um, like Chile kind I, I mean, obviously they didn't play, but I mean, they've been looking good in the build up to it, which mm-hmm. is a lot of time disappointed that they didn't get a chance to actually play. Um, Romania looked very good against Argentina as well. And yeah. you know what? I think people say that their Jersey is ugly. I like it. Dude, it's I like Romania's jersey. I don't mind it. I don't mind, I don't it. mind it. It's different. I'm tired of boring jerseys in rugby. I was, you know, the one thing that surprised me about this, this uh, going off of rugby for a second, as we always do at the start of this podcast, looking at Euro 20, 2020, okay. um, I've been really disappointed in how some of the jerseys look like just, just boring. Are they, are they, I, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really watch yeah. um, soccer. So I don't, I don't really. Well, they, no, it was. It's pretty. It's a bummer. It's. It's. I, I expect more from the largest, one of the largest soccer tournaments in the world. No. Well, I mean, well. Well, speaking speaking well, of I mean, jerseys, that's what they get for naming the tournament the wrong year. So, um, but uh, the other game, obviously, we got to talk about uh the Eagles' second half. Yeah. Against England, um, that was massive. Uh, that's on, like, yeah, like all the the you know scoring. What did they get four tries or uh, whichever it ended up being, but like, mm. like definitely like the second half, they outscored England in the second half. Definitely. You know, uh, that's one of those games that it's kind of, it's a loss, but they, they hung in there the whole game. And I mean, yeah, I, I take, I take like, I get a little angry seeing kind of some of the um, comments after this where like some European based t- uh, fans on Reddit were like, well, you know, the U S are playing their top team and England was playing their third or fourth team. I'm like, first of all, all of these guys are starters and one of one of, if not the highest league in the world. All of them are, yeah. All of them are. Like they are all pros. And there were guys that in this squad 
that were in the World Cup. Like, let's not like I know that there were a lot of you know debutantes and, and stuff like that. Like, but the the US had just as much time to practice as Canada did. Like they got off the zero. Essentially zero time. Yeah. They're without their top playmaker, one of the one of the best fly offs in the premiership, Osh McGinty. The guy that won uh player of the year for his team. Yeah, exactly. And in know? all honesty, McGinty's the best fly half. Yeah. They 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 lost one of their best centers in Paul Lasique. He's probably going to be done for playing a long, long team. Yeah. So you know what? Full credit to our our uh, our cousins down south. You know that was that was and exciting to see. I thought one like I thought like Mikey Tail got kind of I guess uh, attacked a little bit on uh, by England on the wing there. For their couple of tries and to have him in the second half kind of rebound and start creating tries to kind of like I'm like, well, there you go. That's kind of the that's the attitude that you that you need to pull some of these out. Yeah. Uh, so there is interesting because looking, like they're looking pretty they're looking pretty good considering they had us yeah. prep time. It's it's not very good for Canada to see Uruguay and US put in two yeah. <laughs> really good, you know, matches. So a little, little stressful to see that, but yeah, I I you know again got the, the Irish jersey up there. That was a great match against uh, Japan. Like, if you want to watch a game with just tons of excitement, um, man, what a good match! It was it was a lot of fun to watch and seeing fans back in um, back in uh, in Ireland again was always great. And the U.S. have a have a real tough situation going into, so that'll be a great game next weekend as well. And the Lions beat the Lions. Well, I mean, yeah, that was the Lions beat. That, that was fun too. Yeah. Um, you know, COVID's also ruining their their time by canceling one of their matches. So hopefully yeah, they get which, that sorted out. Which I think is just that more amazing to me that the MLR they're making this happen. happen or yeah. canceled in the MLR, especially considering like looking around the world or whatever, like games are being still being canceled uh, or post. Yeah. And it's not like the U.S. isn't. Even, um, I think Super League had like a couple of games canceled like a couple of weeks ago. A couple Australian games. Uh, like no, like the uh, or was the Tasman like, English, the English Super League or whatever Rugby League had a. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. You know what? And it's not like the U- the U.S. isn't a little bit more open. You know now, like, kind of the restrictions have been pulled back in a lot of states, um, especially in the South. So good on them for for making that happen. Yeah. But Derek, we've got a uh, a historic match for good reasons and bad reasons, uh, to talk about. Um. Rugby Canada had their their uh, first game since the World Cup. Um, but before we get into the game, there were a couple of announcements that, that led up to the match since you know we last recorded. The first thing is we got to talk about the new kit um, that Macron has put out. Um, now, full disclosure, when they had those jerseys kind of and you know used for that sevens turn that Dubai sevens tournament that Canada was in. And we kind of saw these kind of, I don't know, very basic practice jersey looking things. You know, I was a little nervous. Um, I liked the collar, but the black one was really scary to me. He looked like Batman. Back then, though, I was like, that's just, that's a placeholder. That was, I know, I know, I know, but something for but, random post COVID turn. Yeah. Seeing, seeing what uh, they came up with is just, wow. What an amazing, I love amazing it. kit. I love it. I love both of them. I like, I like going to the uh, the red. I like having the black as the alternate kit instead of white. Um, personally, I'm a huge fan of that. I know some people don't like it, but for me personally, I, I love the black. I think it looks sharp. Yeah, I mean, 
like it's look at hockey Canada. Look at their their normal jersey. The majority of it is slate gray. Guys, there are too many countries that have yeah. a predominantly red kit. That that's the that's, that's the, the bare bones of it. I think, I think that's the one thing. It's like I, that I really like about the black kit is that nobody like who else in world rugby wears black and red. Like Wales, Wales has got an alternate kit. That's, yeah, that's their alternate kit's like green or something. Though, no, it? no, they're they're it's black. They got a black and red I kit. It was like green, but no. Yeah. It, it is but i mean that's the thing is is you will constantly be confused by wales yeah, and canada that is just i just a lot in life bit, it's a little bit more new, unique like i remember like when canada had the under armor kit at the same time as wales it was like they looked like the same team oh yeah um, yeah it was just like so it's but i think like macron kind of going with i love the collars the collars make it stand out a little bit more um, I love the the sublimated leafs that are in it. I know that's kind of something that you said you always like to see, Dan, a little bit of extra detail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't really seen a great picture of it, just kind of based on what the announcement was and then kind of seeing just the way certain guys ended up positioned during the game. It looks like they have like stand on guard or some sort of like anthem lyric written on the inside of the collar with like another like team slogan kind of below that. I think it's we stand on guard, but I'm not a hundred percent sure because I haven't really seen I think so. If you look at their I think their Instagram post they they oh did the hashtag they? is where we stand on guard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's just a Canadian sport thing is you're gonna yeah, take every strip of the Canadian national anthem and you're gonna yeah, we're on there. Like the work with glowing. See the rise, rise with New North strong. Like it's uh, it's, it's always it's that. A- um, but yeah, like I love I love having that details. Um, the red one, the red one, honestly, I think just looks classic. But yeah, created. it's brilliant. Um, which is I think exactly what you want to kind of go for. Kind of brings back those like nine, sort of like that updated like ninety one World Cup kind of vibes to it, which I still think is the 91 world cups, probably the best Canada kid ever. Um, but I do like, yeah. And it's like, I thought the, the black one, I thought just the one that they wore against Wales, obviously I just thought it looked sharp, man. It was like the red accents are nice. The leafs on it look great. Um, like you said, I know some people don't like the black. I personally don't mind it. Almost every sports team in Canada uses black. Um, yeah. you were using black, before you kind of look at, to me, you brought up Hockey Canada. You look at what Hockey Canada was wearing before the flag um, got introduced, um, right? And it was like, it was, there was a lot of black, a lot of blue and stuff. Yeah, so, it, so like it goes back, even weirdly, it goes back further than the flag too. Um, but so for that reason, I'm like, I've never, I've never disliked black in Canada, in Canada, like gear and stuff. There was a period of time too where Rugby Canada had black in the logo, like the, um, from what would have been that, like, oh, like that 05 to like before they put the new one up or whatever. Yeah. It was like that. It was kind of like that hockey Canada sort of style with like, yeah. The, with the running, player. the running player. Yeah. And again, this isn't the first time they've dipped their toes into black kits. Like, no, and, you know, it's just, and quite frankly, I love the black. I think it looks excellent. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought, I mean, it, you're a little bit biased. I mean, you and your, your love for Houston stuff like that. I mean, it's, no, how's that a bias for a jersey? I, like, you like I mean, you I like predominantly black stuff. We've talked about this on the like show before. Bright, I like bright things. Black looks. I mean, okay, so I do think the all blacks have the best kit in sports. Yeah, like all of them. Okay, it works. Um, but it's not really because it's 
I guess part of it's because it's I don't know. I don't really know that it's black though. It's just because it it works. It's like iconic. All right, all right. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I like Houston's because of the bright yellow that pops off the black off the black kit. Well, and that's what does well with the Canadian and, kit. Yeah, exactly. No, that's why like black and red looks really good together. That's why you you use it, right? Like yeah, it's um, for sure. You know the uh, the colors of the kit don't necessarily have to exactly match the flag or whatever, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I loved it. I loved it. I know some people didn't, but I personally loved it. So um, I'll probably, if I'm buying one, I'll probably buy the black one. I'll go for, I might go for the white one. I mean, I've already got a red. I have a white you can one. see my, my yeah. One. They have a red and a black one. Yeah, I've already got the red uh, red jersey, so I might go black too. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and there are another announcements as well. Um, announcement of the qualifier sites um, for the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, St. John's will host the U.S. matchup. And then uh, Langford will host TBD, whoever that ends up being. South American team. South American team, one or two. So um, it's exciting. I mean, I know there's some fans grumbling about the games not being in Toronto. Um, those are the fans that live in Toronto. Exactly. <laughs> I Like, to a certain extent, I understand it. Like, I know that the Toronto Arrows have been a – big partnership and there you have been growing a fan base there but at the end of the day ontario is just not stable enough to make a firm commitment you don't want to be you don't want to be pulling ship in october because ontario's on fire with covid again and you can't have sporting events right so you're going to pick spots like st john's and langford where you can control a little bit of how fans are coming in and also you want to control the environment for the team as much as possible. You want to give Canada the edge as much as you can. And St. John's is going to give that to you. Honestly, I think it's probably just money and stuff too, right? Like, Oh yeah. Also like trying, trying to rent BMO fields. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing though, right? You go to Langford, right? It's your own building. Yep. You're good. It's your own building. Makes perfect sense. Same. And then, like you said, if you play in Toronto, why do you rent BMO off MLSC and you like, I mean, I know the Blue Jays are trying to talk to the government to allow themselves to come back and play in Toronto. Um, So, I mean, those talks are like ongoing, at least this last time I checked Sportsnet. So, like, I know they're trying to do that, but it's like, if if you can't sell tickets to sell out BMO Field, it's like, why not go play in a smaller stadium somewhere? Right, that's probably going to be a lot cheaper for you to actually operate. And I mean, and you know um, that they're going to be rocking there. You uh, know that the St. John's yeah. is going to love, love the match. Like Swilers has hosted test matches before. It's not like it's, it's not a, a new thing that they have test yeah. matches out there. So um, I don't, I like it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm fine. It's, it's cool. I hope they, uh, I can't wait for the games and stuff. It'll be a uh, nice to see, get some uh, test, nice to get some test matches on home soil, no matter what you're exactly. I mean, yeah, no matter where you're actually playing, they could, uh, you know they can just put like a find a patch of grass somewhere in none of it for all I care, man. As long as it's, uh, it's on home soil, I think we're good. Okay, well, let's get into this game because Canada fell to Wales 68 to 12, uh, in Wales at Principality Stadium. Uh, Wales ran in 10 tries, mm-hmm. two from uh, Thomas Williams, James Botham, Jonah Holmes had two, Nikki Smith, Elliot D, Will Rollins, Tane Basham had two. And Connor Sheedy himself had 14 points from his boot. Um, Canada had tries from Kainoa Lloyd and Cooper Coates with Peter Nelson going one for two on his conversion attempts. Derek, I want to get your thoughts about this. Um, 
because listen, I just kind of rhymed off what happened on the scoreboard. Yeah. No one, the, the coach said, Kingsley said after the match, we were not looking at the score. We needed to look at what was happening on the pitch, what we thought went well, you know, what needed to be improved. And then he needs to make a decision for, for England. Um, you know, I think that um, there were a couple things that really kind of showed themselves. Uh, the main thing is that they were a lot more creative and are willing to take a lot more risks um, compared to even even during the World Cup. Um, I think that their set plays off of the scrum were, I mean, they scored a try off of it, um, were a little bit more impressive. Um, but, you know, what it came down to for me is that there were just way too many errors, way too many handling errors. And Wales made them made them pay off of turnovers. So many knock-ons. Oh my gosh. Just brutal. Every time that you think that a set play was going on. And there were a couple plays in the second half where they were like this close away from a try and it was knock on. They knocked, you know, knocked a ball on. And it's like, oh God, like come on, guys. Like that you were on the line and you you fumbled it. Um I think it was Carson had a had had a um had an almost try and he he knocked it on. Like they had to replay it. Um and, you know, I think their scrum held up really well, which I was really impressed about, um, considering the U.S. struggled a little bit with their scrum and people are pulling fingers at MLR's scrum rules. I think that the that uh, Canada did pretty well. Um, what do you think, Derek? Because I think that, again, many things were, were good. A lot was bad. And, you know, it's I guess it's our responsibility as this podcast to try to sift through and see what we thought went well and what what didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with the idea. It's like not necessarily paying a whole lot of attention to the scoreboard. Um, Pulling a, a, a page out of Curry Hitchborn's book. Yeah, but I mean, like, it makes sense um, because it's like, who who didn't think Canada would, like, would lose? Like, if Canada did, like, was within 10, 15, 20 points, we would have been ecstatic with the... Yeah right like we would have been like oh man like they they didn't just like you know play well they was like they actually like hung in there with whales and stuff right um and that's not like it's just the way it is right now it's like whale whales is a tier one nation they're the defending six nations champions arguably the best country in the world yeah um or, sorry or in europe in i mean europe. i was gonna say in you europe. make the argument you can make the argument that they're best in the world i don't know if you're gonna win that argument <laughs> uh, no, I, I think the South Africa's got a trophy that says they aren't. I think uh, ah, they haven't. You know what? I don't believe that South Africa is the best right now. I mean, they have who have they played? They've played Georgia since the World yeah. Cup, and that's it. That's it. Yep. Hey, they still got the trophy. They still got. Yeah, the, no, that doesn't count anymore. That is past accolades. I do not <laughs> give me. Show me something new. Show me what you've done. Show me what you've done for me lately, South Africa. Then I'll say you're the best. I guess what this—that's what this, this uh, Lions tier is going to show. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, but yeah, I did. Um, so yeah, scrums a hundred percent on their own feeds and stuff too. Um, lineouts were were pretty good um, for the most part of the game. Um, as far as like the turnovers thing ones, um, according to the Welsh Rugby Union's website that has the stats for this game, turnovers are actually nine nine. Um, so they actually hung in there pretty well. Um, I do like, there was a couple handling errors. I think, you know, 
there was a couple of unforced errors and stuff throughout the game. But then there's a couple of errors that are like, ah, Wales is good at defense and stuff. And maybe there's a little bit of that mixed in there too. Right. Um, I think to me, I think it was like, you know, you talk about the, the creativity, um, which I did, I did like and stuff. I think that went up exponentially when Will Persilier came into the game though. Yeah. Um, which, because I, I remember there was there was about one point in in the game like Cooper Coates had um the big creative play in the first half where he went off the quick tap and um created Kainoa Lloyd's try, and then but like there was a play I think his it was early in the second half or late either late in the first half early second half and can, or sorry no it would have been in the second half because Canada was a hundred percent conversion rate on their trips inside the 22 in the first half um thanks to Kainoa Lloyd's try um but I think so like in the second half there was a moment where Canada was kind of like on the Welsh line or close to the Welsh line and they got advantage and they just kind of kept trying to grind out with the forwards you know to try to get over the line and the Wales defense held very well because you know guys like Ross Moriarty and Adam and um Wainwright are playing defense for you so um you know they're pretty good at that and um they were able to stop Canada and then there was like a scrum or uh or I think or whatever Canada chose off the penalty I can't remember yeah um but then in the second so that was with Brody being the scrum half and they just kind of went back and back to the forwards all the time and then in the second half or and then later when Priscilla came on they had a similar ish situation a little bit further out where you know, Canada got advantage and Persilier took the ball and was like, let's go try something, right? Kind of made a nice move, tossed the ball out to Ben Lesage. Lesage tried the grubber kick through. And I think that you should just award a try to the team that is losing by 50 anyways. Like, Listen, wow. I think I have seen, I have seen less, I have seen tries in international rugby, especially with TMO, awarded for less. So yeah. I don't know why they were being so stingy on this one maybe the grounding was questionable, but yeah, like yeah. I've seen tries in more important games be awarded based not, on that. Like I, what the, what the hell are you doing? Like, what do you have against kind of Lloyd? I was just, I'm not, I'm not even trying to argue whether or not it was a good grounding. I'm just like, eh, like just give it to him. What's it going to change? Yeah. It's not going to change anything. <laughs> They're not going to, this isn't the rallying cry. Like, come on. That would have been amazing if it was, though. Eh? Um, but that was a, that was a really good. But I mean, like that was a really good play. Um, you know, whether or not Lloyd got the grounding or not, it's still like you said. It's like don't worry about the scoreboard, right? So that was a really good play that they used. Um, I think for me, the thing that kind of impressed me the most throughout the game, though, um, especially early on, um, was how good Canada was doing in the breakdown against Wales. Um, I thought. They were they rocked very well. Um, a couple of guys were able to, you know, getting some nice clear outs. Um, they were protecting the ball on defense. They were getting steals and turnovers and drawing penalties. Um, I think a big thing is like like Quinn Nawadi, shout out to him. Um, his first cap, 90 seconds into his first cap, um, you know, gets right in the middle of things and you know, actually creates a turnover on yeah. The um, you know, take creates a turnover in in the breakdown. Um, sadly, that was the play that Lee Halfpenny um injured hurt on. Yeah, which we uh, should say. I think, yeah, I was just say, can we just take a moment to just that's yeah, that's brutal breaking. Um, it's man, it's, that's a heartbreaker, man. It's hundred oh, test try 
our test match. Yeah, hundredth test match. Um, and yeah, to have to have it go finish in ninety seconds. Um, that's just as yeah. like such a legendary player, such as him, uh, such as Halfpenny. Um, it's just really unfortunate. Um, but uh, it's yeah, it's just really unfortunate. And uh, you know, it was, it was tough. To, it was tough to even see when he, when they showed him come back out and he's on his crutches and stuff, sitting in the stands. Um, so that that was really that was really a very disappointing way to start the game. Um, regardless of who you cheer for, just because yeah, uh, it's such a cool achievement to get a hundred. Yeah, it's just like it's just a it's like major major bummer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but. You know, back to Nawadi, I thought he did well. Um, Lucas Rumball was Lucas Rumball was a beast in this game. Yeah. Um, he he you know he managed some breakdown seals. Um, he had 19 tackles, missed one in against Wales. Um so yeah, pretty, that's pretty insane. Um, and it's like, yeah, Lucas Lucas Rumball is just hilariously good at rugby. It's uh it's delightful. Um, so he he did well. You know, when they came in in the second half too, Michael Smith, Don Carson, as you already mentioned, Dan, like he they were getting some steals. And like I think you know Kingsley Jones mentioned after the game, it's like Carson hasn't played. Carson's a UBC player, he's an amateur player, right? Um, he hasn't played a game in like a year and a half, um, just because because you know amateur rugby is not. Yeah, right now. you know what? It doesn't show right now. Like it really doesn't show right now with with Canadian rugby. I mean. Our two starters were, were Larson and Keys, who I think Keys had a pretty good game, all things considered. Um, Keys, was, I thought Keys was great. I think I Keys mean, played really well. I think it's something happened like halfway through the season for Keys, where just kind of like which got flipped, yeah. Switch, uh, so, uh, you know, a switch got flipped, and he's got starting spots yeah. in with rugby ETL, and you know, maybe, maybe honestly, you know, I, I I'd have to look at the lineups from rugby ETL. But I think with with Keaton getting hurt, they moved some guys around, like yeah. especially some of the lock positions to play. You know that loose forward position, and he just got the opportunity, and I think he played well. But um, um, I think that it's kind of overshadowed because we're in you know wallowing in self pity. Oh, you know, look at us—we just got creamed by Wales. Um, Tier two rugby on Twitter has been very like down on Canada, which fair. You know, we just got pummeled, and you know it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. But big but we have a bunch of like Timber King locks coming into the Canadian system in the next few years. Like Carson, um, Duguid, like those are two huge beasts of men. And then you, then you throw in like guys like like uh, Adrian Wadden, who's, you know, um, plying his craft with the arrows. And then you got um, Mason Flesh, who's also covers lock, but I think they're slowly turning him into a loose forward you know there are a lot of young locks in the canadian system that as long as they keep getting playing time which has been a problem up until mlr started Mm. you know we're in good position you know we just got to get there and i and again everybody that we've talked to has said we need to be patient with canadian rugby because we're going to get hurt and it's going to hurt real bad but you know there are things coming uh now derek what do you think needed to be improved? Because Kingsley and and I think we also need to you know you know shout out to uh, Derek for actually being on the you know you know ask him the right questions on the presser after the game, which was exciting to hear your voice talk to Kingsley Jones, buddy. Um, but one of the things that he uh, talked about, Patrick Johnston, for sending me the link to that. There you go. Thank you, Patrick. You're the best. Um, he talked about how they were outmatched in the 
power game and like for like a 25 minute period in the first half they were just being dominated physically uh you know they didn't really have a whole lot of dominant tackles um again you'd have to someone would have to check the stats on me i don't have them um available to me um but you know this is these are the words of the head coach himself you know he wasn't happy with with that um yeah it was um it was tough to see, especially in some of the carries in the second half. And, and again, trying to tackle some of these big loose forwards or locks from Wales, it really showed that. I don't know if this is a technique thing or strength and conditioning, like, but it obviously shows that the, the tier difference between the two countries. Yeah. I mean, there, there is, there is definitely a difference. And um, I, I think there, yeah. Uh, I think it's one of those things is like, yeah, Wales is bigger, stronger, faster. That's what makes them a tier one country. Yeah. So it's, um, but I don't necessarily like, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of the Wales tries um, were just them. A lot of them, I think, were them just being better than Canada, wait, like waiting, applying their moments to be like, okay, there's a hole in the defense now. Let's go attack it. Um, being able to draw in. Def- it was also a defense that only had a week's worth of practice too. Yeah. Like, let's take, let's also take that into consideration folks. Yeah. And and for the most part too, I think they tackled, they tackled pretty well. Like they were like 85% tackle completion, which isn't, which isn't like world beating, but it's like, it's pretty good. Um, especially you're going up against like the tier one country. Right. Um, you know, it's like, normally if you see a team allow 10 tries, you would assume that it's much lower than 85%. Um, so that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but yeah, it's like, obviously, obviously there's, I think it's just one of those things like you just, I think as in building, it's like you want, Canada's just got to improve exponentially across the board. Still like it's. And the crazy thing like, is, is that like it, it, looking to next week. Yeah. Uh, or I guess this, this weekend um, we're talking about like to make a big difference against England, they need to reach another level. Um, but to play the U S and Uruguay, what we're saying it's just like what we're seeing this game. Yeah, they're gonna. Have yeah, to- yeah, but not not like let's try and beat England level. You know, like no, I think yeah. there's like you have to find another gear. Like you're, you're saying that, but it's you know, it's um, I, I think there's there were some guys in this game that were just like I'm like oh my god, like you are actually this good. <laughs> like like Ben Lesage. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Like, yeah, can we just because we gotta look because we gotta look ahead. We gotta look ahead for England. So who do who do you think deserves to be in the lineup for England? Like I know we talked about before ben, this ben, tour about getting everybody in. Ben Lesage should start at center until he decides he retires, which is hopefully going to be in ten to fifteen years. Yeah, that dude was phenomenal in this game. Um, he led the team in meters. Um, you know he 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 led the team in meters. He had like he had the two try assists in the game, fourteen tackles. He like with an incredible he only missed two so incredibly high percentage and like some of the tackles that he made too were like oh like that actually that looked like it hurt like that did not feel good like those they're good hits um and yeah like and it was just every time like when he was touching the ball um like he was making something happen um he's like you know it, it was yeah he was amazing um throughout this game he was like he was showing why you know why one he's the captain of the team and you know it's it's Basically, you know, it's. It, I thought it was incredible what Ben Lesage did uh, on the field uh, in this game, and you know, it's you. You 
gotta love to see it. Like, I'm oh, sorry, like Lockie Kratz and you know any of the other centers that are behind him right now. But it's like this is the dude you gotta beat if you want to start for Canada. Um, so, so let me so let me ask, give you a hypothetical question there, Derek, sure. because we did talk about before this tour started how we wanted to get as many people in as possible to see yep. what they can do. Sure, you've got England next weekend. Yeah. So we we want Ben Lesage at the 13. Absolutely. Yep. Do you move Quinn Nawadi to wing to see what Lockie Kratz can do? Or do you want it? Because I think I that he should no, stay. Because Quinn Nawadi was going to be the next guy I talk about. Of <laughs> um, I think, like I said, I think, I think Nawadi, like based on what we have right now, I still think, yes, you have to try to get guys in the lineup. Have to try to like, um, well, we'll talk about who, who we want to see play against England um, in a minute, but let, let's, mm-hmm. why, why don't we just take a moment to like kind of focus on the guys that we thought played well or stood out in this game. Yeah. Um, so I think Nawadi played really well. And I think watching this game, I'd be like, if you told me like going into, you know, the world cup qualifiers, hopefully the world cup 2027, 2031, even right. That Quinn Nawadi and Ben Lesage is going to be the center combination. Perfectly fine with it. Um, I thought Nawadi for his first cap, I thought he was outstanding. Looked really um, calm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think it's one of those things where it's like Nawadi and Lesage are both very good at defense. And I think that really helps. Like, you know, I, I don't th- I'm trying to remember. There was 10 tries. So I'm trying to remember, but I don't think there was too many where it's like they just ran through the kind of the middle. I think Lesage kind of sh- tried to jump up a little quickly on one play um, and ended up kind of getting beat um, just because I think he tried to like get and make a tackle and make a big play by like having, a, you know, s- setting whales back for like a big loss yeah. and, and it kind of work mm-hmm. out. Um, but other than th- I might even be misremembering that, but other than that, um, like, like, you know, w- Wales was scoring tries kind of, you know, off the side of rucks and the wings and stuff. So it's like, I thought Lesage and Nawadi did did well to kind of block that up. They 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 combined for twenty three tackles on the in the game, playing the full eighty minutes. So I, I thought that was great to see. Um, I said there's a couple other guys too. I mean Cooper Coates. If we're going to talk about a guy that had a great game for his first cap, um, I thought he was outstanding. Yeah. Um, he struggled with the high ball a little bit, but in the post match press conference, that was something that he openly admitted to not really working on that much with the sevens team. Um, so hopefully, you know, he was, yeah, there's not a whole lot of kicking high balls. Hopefully. Except... Yeah. Hopefully he just takes the time to, uh, to learn that. Um, especially if he is going to be a fullback. Um, so do you think that he's nailed down that fullback Jersey for the next game? Or do you want to see somebody else? Ooh. Um, cause here's the thing. Here's the thing. The two guys that the two other fullbacks that we've, Three other fullbacks we have are Nelson, Povey, and Parfrey. Those are three older guys that, I mean, maybe Povey, you can make the argument that he's still a little bit of an unknown commodity because he hasn't played for Canada in a while. But, like, you know what Parfrey and Nelson can offer because Kingsley Jones has seen them play at fullback. At you know yeah, the Pacific yeah. Nations and at the World Cup. Yeah, I, I would be I would be interested. Like that's the thing. I would be interested in seeing like Povey. Povey only got six minutes in this game, and even at that, it's probably questionable because Coates was the best player. Yeah, <laughs> one of the best players in the game. So I'm like, ah, eh, maybe maybe leave him in. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's a lopsided victory at the end of the game, so um, it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, like Povey, 
I'd be interested in seeing Povey. Um, I want to see Priscilla start. I think. Yes, I was shocked that he was not starting, and I wonder if that is just because because we know. Cody... <laughs> Pardon me. It's just because we know it's him. Like really. Yeah, but I mean, the, I think the other thing is that Brody was at the high performance camp, so he might have known a little bit more about the set piece. I think Brody's good. I think he like. I think he could, he could probably be a scrum half at the test level. Um, I think like Persilier, I think is better than him. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Yeah. I, I, I would like to see that. There's a part of me that's like, do you, do you throw Will Kelly to the fire and just, I think you do. Yeah. Just to be I like, I think you do. I think, I think that uh, he's you can maybe, maybe you can maybe do that. Put, maybe put Nelson back at 15 and then put like coats or somebody on the bench and then you can swap. Maybe not working out or something so so let's look at the roster then for leading up to that game because uh again really we've already we've, we've uh we, we already kind of shed it out patrick johnson he he made an update for saturday's match josh larson is doubtful tyler roland is out now the Roland news and we were kind of talking about before we started recording has really changed up what Kingsley Jones it, it really forces Kingsley Jones into doing one thing. I don't know if it changes up anything, it just forces your hand mm-hmm. if he's hurt. So Cole Keith, based on who they brought, probably gonna move to tight head. And then have Leah Murray play. Leah Murray is coming in. Sears Duru start. I would like to see Keith start. I know he hasn't played. Yeah, mix it up tight head in a while, but mix it up. Il Nikki played a lot against wales and i think he played fine um yeah well like yeah because he he can't well he came off at the 41st minute and then and then had to come back on because Roland got hurt yeah um yeah i think like the the forwards i thought the forwards like i thought like keys i thought played pretty well um larson played pretty well but i guess now he's questionable based on what uh patrick johnson's saying there so i mean you might have to put like o'gorman in or albornes or thomas yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Thomas. Get I want to see Thomas in the game. Thomas, Thomas would be interesting to yeah. see. Um, you know, I like if anything, it's like I wouldn't if Larson can't play. Like you said, I, I would either you either shift O'Gorman, put in Albornaz or Thomas. But I want to see. I think I want to see Smith get a. Yeah. So for me, it's keys. Even if 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 uh, Larson can't go, start Carson. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. You know what? I want to see Corey Thomas. I do start. want to see Corey Thomas. Maybe, maybe, want, maybe scratch keys. Well, keys, keys Carson. Yeah, Keys Car or uh, Carson uh, Thomas. I think, uh, I, but I think Michael. I think the back line, Smith, Rumball, Vicky Lani. I don't know. I I I think his scramble defense was pretty good, and he had had a couple strong carries. But you know, I I, I think early in the game he looked. Like, I don't know. I think he just kind of looked a little nervous mm-hmm. stuff, especially like near contact. I don't know if that's like the coming off an injury or something, but um, I think he settled in nicely. And uh, yeah. here, do you want, you want a kind of a fun ish stat or whatever? Sure. Lay it on me. He's one of only, at least according to the, the stats that are from the game that are posted on the uh, Welsh rugby union website. Um, he was one of just three Canadian players that were, credited with uh making a hundred percent of their tackles in this game or sorry three canadians in the starting 15 that made a hundred percent of their tackles nice good for him he had eight do you uh any guess what the other two were i just want to see if he ever or just on their debut 
No, 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 no. So in this game. Oh, in this game. 15 guys in the starting 15. Okay. Three of them had made 100% of their tackles. I'll give you a little bit of a, a bit of a hint, too. Vicky Lonnie had eight. Yeah. One of the other guys had five. And one of the other guys had six tackles at 100%. Uh, I'm going to say Cole Davis and Brody. I don't know. Cole Davis was six for six. Yeah, you nailed that one. Uh, Brody, uh, Brody was the opposite of this. He was, um, he was five for nine, so he was over fifty percent on his. Um, the other guy was Justice Sears Duru was five for. Ah. So, according to the stats posted on the Welsh Rugby, listen, Sears Duru is one of my favorite players, so that's great to hear. Yeah, Um, there's a couple of guys off the bench that put in some good. uh, Howard Howard made four tackles without missing one. Keith made four without missing one. Carson made four without missing one. Um, Albornoz made two. Povey made one. Um, Michael Smith, actually, when he came off the bench, he had seven tackles with just one missed. So that's pretty good performance. Pretty good. Too. Um, so I think, like I, like I said, like they tackled at 85%. So, I mean, yeah. you know, given the fact that they gave up 10 tries, that's not terrible yeah um, and you know what i think that i think when it comes down to it they're probably also going to switch out lloyd with fraser yeah. um because i mean cole davis just has the size i don't think you want to lose a winger that size unless you're moving to wadi out there yeah i thought i thought like lloyd, lloyd i thought did, did like i did pretty i mean he's i'm not as high on him i don't think as... yes you we you have made yourself perfectly yeah. clear about your feelings about kainoa loy i mean he scored a he scored a try he probably should have had two he maybe should have had two yeah um, so i mean you know uh good good for him he kind of he kind of proved me wrong a little bit in this game i thought he he did play pretty well so he listened he looked like an mlr starter in this game i i, I don't think i think that i i go back to that 2019 season i think it's just Wrong place at the wrong time. I, I, he was gone from the arrows for too long, and Mirez and Levis just were good. And even this good. year, like with uh, like Montero coming in, Tukula coming in, even yeah, Sheridan's playing. I, I think Sheridan's actually been playing pretty well now that he's getting in. Yeah, yeah. I think that I would still choose. Let's let, well, let you, you know, know. Let's maybe he can. Maybe maybe he maybe there's a spot for him on a different team. Or let's oh, see. for sure. I think that's. I think that I, there I think there is not. I don't think there isn't an MLR team that wouldn't say I want, I don't want Kainoa Lloyd. I think that he's, yeah. Anyways, maybe, maybe he just was just a little picky. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there is a bunch of MLR teams that are like, eh, maybe not. Um, But uh, I thought, I thought like, I mean, he played, he played well. I think though, for me, like Lloyd, I think, I think is the thing that concerns me the most about Lloyd is his defense. Like that's the thing. Like, I think he got, he got, he got kind of burned on the edge a couple of times in this game and did have, he was um one again, he was 50% on his tackles in this game too. Right. So, right. Um, like, you know, that's, that's a number that kind of, that needs to come up. So, I mean, um, but yeah, let's look ahead quickly. Cause we got to move on uh, from this game. This, this England game is, is, is very interesting because, um, there is a very, very easy argument to be made that England's depth is much deeper than Wales. So, you know, I think that this well, there's this English team is a lot stronger than probably what Wales is going to put out there. I mean, they've got Marcus Smith and Ellis Genge on their team. I mean, they're that's pretty damn impressive. Who? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, Derek. Um, 
But Canada now also has another week of practice of tape of. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is just getting like just the way the the years worked out is like they've had no time together and yeah, um, neither has the states, but the states managed to put a pretty good um performance against England last week, right? So um, you know, like well, I guess I guess we'll we'll see. We'll I think see. You know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we're at the time we're recording this, we haven't seen the squads. I think the uh, the squads impact um what yeah I guess predictions for the game I think how it would go but I think I mean I, again I think this this is going to be another game where no one's expecting Canada to win mm-hmm. um, nobody's really expecting it to be super close either um I would be like I think it, that's the thing though it's like you're just I think you'd be kind of looking for a lot you know, to just be like, okay, you're building towards something. Those signs that you're building towards something, right? Have, you know, it it was great in this game. It was actually, I thought, considering that, like, in, in all reality, they got blown out. But like I said, it was like, who wasn't expecting that to happen? Like, it was great to see some of those guys, like Nawadi, like Coates, um, Carson Smith, play very well in their test debuts, right? Like, that's a sign. That's a positive sign. It was great to see Rumball, um, you know, is still able to be Lucas Rumball against a team like Wales. Yeah. That's promising, right? He's still able to be that good against Wales. Um, so it's like, that's promising. I think, like you said, a little bit of the creativity, it was nice to see the set piece work, um, right? Like, you know, like that one, the, you know, Coates' try coming off of a set piece at the scrum, right? It was like, that was great to see that work out well. Um, it was great to see that they didn't lose the ball on any of their own scrums, even if, you know, as Kingsley Jones mentioned, the physicality from Wales is a little bit higher, but they were able to at least make, like retain the ball on their own mm. stuff. They kind of figured that out. Uh, I think that's like, honestly, like that's what I would be looking for in this game. It's like, okay, like when you do have an attacking scrum about, you know, inside the 22, what do you do with it? Um, you know, can you like, how does the, the line out play? Like, is the line out working well? Is the line out, you know, are, uh, you know, and it's like, is the defensive system kind of working well? Like, are you able to like hold off like the English attack for a little bit? Um, and then, you know, maybe kind of like what happened in the Wales game. It's like eventually it just breaks down because Wales, Wales is better. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, are you able to like put, lay down the foundation for some of those structural things and stuff that you want to do? Does the set piece work? Does your attack plan work? Um, or like, can you... Um, you know, get in sync with each other. Like you said, there's a lot of guys having their first test caps. Can you like work together, work well? Um, right. Just kind of build stuff. The weird thing is, is like, this is, unless they schedule something new, this is going to be the last game before they play the USA. Um, unless they schedule something in between that. So <laughs> you kind of need to, I think you have to also take the time to be like, all right, maybe we have to figure out some combinations and stuff. Um in order, you know, figure out who's going to be the guys to put their hand up to see that, which is why I do want to see some of the, some of the guys that didn't get game time today. Um, I do want to see some of them get in, um, especially like if like, in all on it, like if Larson's questionable, don't play him. No. Like, no point. like why? You know what Larson is. Yeah. Yeah. We know. Um, yep. That's fine. Don't, I don't wouldn't even bother if he's like, like if anybody, if anybody is like slightly hurt, I wouldn't even bother putting them in. Um, I think I think I would like to, yeah, and just, you know, let's get a couple more of maybe like some of the uncapped guys. Um, like I said, it's like um, 
I think Nwadi played well, but it's like, you know what, maybe maybe you do have to work around the lineup to see maybe if you can get Kratz in there somewhere. Maybe you have to do something, um, figure out a way maybe to get Frazier in too. Like, it's, um, like you can kind of do a lot. Um, you know, seeing the lineup that got put forth in this game, I was like, like I'm like, yeah, all right, that's that's fine. Like I, I like I said, I still want to I want to see a little bit of everybody to the best that you can. And I guess Roland's injury is forcing the hand on that. So we're gonna I'm assuming we're gonna get some Liam Murray in this game. Um and yeah, just I think that's all you kind of gotta do is just make sure you're building towards the USA and you know, trying to kind of figure out those combinations and stuff, but also like, make sure you keep doing the things that you did well and make sure that keeps going. Like, make sure you're still tackling well. Yeah, make, make sure you're progressing those. Yeah, things. exactly. Make sure that, like, you know, that you're attacking the rocks, you're getting, you're, you know, you're getting some turnover balls, you're creating penalties um, for yeah. the opposition and stuff. Make sure you're still doing that stuff well. Um, and then, you know, maybe, maybe figure out a way to put up a couple more tries. I think the one thing in the, I did make the joke about, um, the fact at halftime, I did make the joke about the fact that Canada was a hundred percent on their conversion rate on trips inside the 22, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of funny. Um, but also at the same time, it'd be nice to get a little more trips inside the 22. Like I'm happy you scored on your one trip down there. Um, but you know, nice you can spend a little bit more time. Than just yeah, exactly. In there. Spend, For sure. Stop shop. Yeah, exactly. Figure out a way to get, you know, win a little bit more territory and stuff and maybe not have to play as much defense. Yeah. The defense worked well, I thought, in the game. So, yeah, so um, hopefully we keep that going. Yeah, it's uh, the nice thing you kind of mentioned, we got to move things around and see what everything, everyone looks like. I mean, we know the European guys are pretty much known commodities, you know, except for Tyler Duguid, um, and maybe uh, Matt Bukaboom. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, you know what Ardron's bringing, you know what Olmstead's bringing, you know what Tierney's bringing. You know, those guys are been part of Canada's plans for years so let's see what everyone else has got all right well let's move on now because there was another exciting uh canadian rugby match this weekend the arrows are back in the wind column um defeating the other uh bottom of the barrel team um old glory dc watching the usa play and then watching old glory play um the eagles need to borrow their kit i'm just saying like there's yeah, I, I like I like this kit as a sevens kit. Old, old um, like I feel like a club team should not have your best looking national team jersey. Like, yeah, the national team's never been like super like gone super hard on the raw raw like we're American stuff, which yeah, is I love, yeah. crazy. I like, love go them. for it. Honestly, I, I like the lot. I like their World Cup jerseys. They were nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, this has been super. It's been yeah. super strange. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of what the USA was wearing. Like, I I, I kind of dig it in the sense that it's a little bit different. Yeah, I'm also, also like seeing old Glory play after. And I'm like, that that kit should that should be the national team kit. That's a it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Um, so we've spent listen, we've spent fun team months on the Fourth of July when you yeah. look at the uh, we spent months talking about the arrows game plans and strategies and what went wrong, what went wrong. Um, but I want to talk about the future because really this is the second last game. They've got their last game of the season coming up uh, this week against the uh, Free Jacks. So my question to you, Derek, my first one is, um, who's made a name for himself for next season uh, with these last couple of games? I mean, they recently just signed two young backs, mm-hmm. um, Alex Russell, a utility back. 
um, was with the uh, Pacific Pride program and did a little bit of um, sevens touring. Um, and then they signed Reed Watkins, um, a scrum half, who's actually part of Rugby ETL's Path 404 Academy, which is actually kind of handy just to have a, a Canadian just kind of training with with someone down in Atlanta and you don't have to worry about them. Um, so who knows if they're ever going to, if they're going to get playing time at all. I mean, yeah, you know, they've got one game left, one game but yeah. who in these last couple of games has impressed you and saying, yeah, the arrows need to bring these, these guys back next for next year. Um, doesn't have to be necessarily, doesn't um, necessarily have to be the newer signings. Okay. That's what I was going to, but, but it could be really anybody that, that really has gotten an opportunity the last couple of, uh, couple of weeks yeah i mean i think those the new signings have been uh obviously kind of a bit of a necessity given the fact that 13 guys are gone on international duty to end the year and obviously you got to uh, put a put a team on the pitch still right so um i think from from the new signings i think um ronan foley i thought looked excellent um against old glory in this game um tackled very well hit a lot of rucks, excellent work rate, had some really good strong carries too. Um, nice kind of like picking up a little bit where Deanna left off, although I think I would maybe have him start over Deanna, but uh, or have Deanna start over him. But mm-hmm. I think, um, like, I, th- I think he's been pretty impressive since he's joined the team. He brings a, seems to bring a lot of energy and just an all around like solid player. I think he's been, um, he's made a very, in my opinion, anyways, he's made a very good case for you know, his inclusion on the 2022 roster. Um, I think, yeah, uh, I think he's probably been the best of the, uh, the new recruits. Um, I think the other guy too, like, I don't, who knows what the situation is. Sam Malcolm, I think has been a bit of a breath of fresh air coming in. Yeah. Um, as far as like those new and it's, you know, if they can bring Malcolm back for next season, like fully have him return as an arrow for the whole year. I think that would be brilliant. I think a lot of fans would be super psyched about that too. Um, Tomlinson, I think, has been good. Obviously, kind of you know coming in relief of McRogers often, but um, I think I think he's been a uh, been a solid player um, for uh, for for the Arrows, and you know um, it's it's great to kind of have a guy like that now. I guess in Canada, you know, with Burnaby Lake and being able to uh, bring them up. Like I think a couple interesting things too. Like um, you know, considering guys like you know Detroit hasn't necessarily played as much this year with a lot of Lesage Jones center combination and Parfrey Parfrey for a period of time as well. Yeah, Parfrey for a period of time too. Um, I think like he's looked very good. Um, yeah, for the end of the year here. Um, same thing can be said I think for for Ferguson. Um, who you know it's been a lot of Brody Higgins in the nine twenty one jersey, but. Uh, I mean, when we get into the game, we'll talk about Andrew Ferguson's game. Um, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's. I think he he's been playing really well and stuff too. And I think it's, it is one of those things where it's. I think we've always kind of said the Arrows were the deepest team in Major League Rugby, and I know like obviously the the record isn't the most flattering thing right now, but I think I think they they still kind of are. Like it's, you know, to be able, like you said, to have a guy like Andrew Ferguson being like. I guess with the way he's been utilized this year, probably your third choice scrum half, at least yeah. not, not necessarily. I'm not trying to argue like ability or anything. I'm just arguing like the way that he's been used. He's been right. It's like they've played Brody and Higgins a lot more than they've played Andrew Ferguson. Right. Right. Um, so like, I think, you know, and you look at the performance he put on the pitch. Yeah. Um, 
on Sunday. And it's like, yeah, like he's like, there's, there's probably nobody in like in major league rugby that has a better third choice scrum half than the Toronto arrows. Yeah. As funny as that is right. Some um, teams don't even have as good of a first choice. No. Yeah. Scrum half has Andrew Ferguson. Yeah. It barely has three scrum halves. Yeah. <laughs> poor Michael basket. He's just kind of and Fraser Hurst. They're just kind of at times with injuries have just kind of been had to like I think carry I that whole position that, on their own. Dude, that would be, a, I think that would be the lineup thing I would do for Canada. I would have Hurst back first or in, see what he's got. Yeah. yeah um, back up Priscilla, but, but still give Hurst like a good, like 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. On the pitch. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, it's uh to tough, tough for a Detroit because, um, you know, he has, I think that he was a victim of bad team play at the beginning of the year and then was subbed out and the team started winning. And, they, uh, and then what can you do? And then Spencer Jones came back. It's just, you know, one of those bad, the, the, the season yeah. didn't go his way. Right. You know, the year before that, that shortened season before him and Lesage were one of the best center pairings in MLR the year before him and Jones were a really strong center pairing. So, you know, I, I'm happy to see Giuseppe um, take – pardon me? Slash have been great this year too, right? Like, yeah, Jones for sure. Made Team Canada. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I hear you. I'm just saying that I feel I feel like he's done dirty. And, then, you know, you know, I don't want to, you know, cause ill, but I, I just feel like he <laughs> – if he was given more of an opportunity, I think that maybe he could have done the things that the other guys have done. Maybe not Spencer Jones because he's a little bit bigger. Um, but anyways, I, I, I've been really, what, what I'm trying to get at is I'm, I'm happy that he's yeah. had a good couple of games because I, I want to see him back. I think that's just tapped. And I think even like, um, Johnny Sheridan, I think has played pretty de- well, like coming in Yeah. again. Like, I'm like, I don't know, like if the arrows have all the names available to them and everybody's healthy, you're probably not slotting Johnny Sheridan into the lineup very often. I don't know if Johnny Sheridan's back. Like let's say Levis and Mires and Tuklet and Montero all come back. Let's then you also maybe you've got some scraps from the sevens program. Like there's, they're definitely not going to be keeping everybody. No. Kingsley Jones is going to want some of the guys that are in the sevens program right now playing 15s and MLR is where they're probably going to end up going. Seven, and, sevens tour still happens though. Right. So I mean, some, yeah, but what I'm saying is that there are guys like, like, like Theo Sauter and Andrew Coe and, and Connor trainer that are, yeah. Well, maybe not Connor Trainer. Andrew Cohen, and Theo Sauter, definitely, and Brock Webster is sorry, someone I should mention, that are going to be very important parts of the 15s program yeah. in the next well, few I, years. The other side of that is just because they go to play 15s doesn't mean they're arrows either. I mean, it'd, no, be, but, it'd be nice. I mean, but like, it'd be nice, but I mean, that's there's there's that that connection's already there with with yeah. Rugby Cannon. Oh, yeah, the connection pride and obviously already there, especially with Cohen Sauter, who've already played for the arrows and yeah um right my, my point is my point is is that i you can go, i haven't seen enough of sheridan other than you know he's a depth, some flashes depth player that's what john that's what yeah. sheridan is. he's a depth player and he's a good depth player yeah he's a, he's um player. he's tomlinson is is going to be an interesting guy i mean he wasn't even i don't even think he was in he wasn't even in atlanta for most of the season no he came depth. down with vicky Lonnie, which i think um, which i think is also like yeah like that's he's been he's played well he I still like, I think he's been playing well defensively. He was robbed of a brilliant play against Rooney. Um, but I think like he's 
played well against mm-hmm. a lot of teams and he, like he he's hanging in there and stuff was like yeah, yeah i just think the odds are not in his favor no the, the arrows have better wingers than sheridan but he's when all those wingers because they are all really good all end up representing the national team johnny sheridan i think which shouldn't be a problem from from this yeah, year on exactly but it's like john sheridan is a great guy to step in when yeah. that hurt or yeah, on air sure. um but the guy I want to talk about was, and you mentioned him already, is Tomlinson. And I think that there's going to be an interesting discussion with the future of Stephen Ng and his his injury problems. You know, we haven't really heard a whole lot from him if he's, you know, done, done. Um, or if it, you know, will we see him again with the arrows? But it'll be nice to have a third string yeah. or second string, depending on where him and I mean... Honestly, I haven't been super impressed with 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 Andrew Quatron this year. I know he's off with Canada and he started in the in the game, but I think Jack McRogers has had a stronger season. McRogers, McRogers has been McRogers was really good in this game too. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so you know, I, I can't even say that Tomlinson might be the third string. Who knows where he ends up? But I think that he's he's built himself a you know other than a, a, a knock on sure try. I think that he's kind of said, hey, I can be useful for you guys. Yeah, um, I think McRogers has been has been great, uh, especially in this game too. He had uh, he had twelve tackles, twelve for twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had a he had a really strong carry in the build up to that Detroit try. Um, the lineout lineout was working all right. Um, his throws look a lot better, a little bit more accurate. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's kind of like I guess some of the future stuff. You want to get into the actual game a little bit now? Well, and we don't have as much time as I would have hoped. Um, but I wanted to ask you about where does this match this win match up with the rest of the season's wins? Because really, if you look at the rest of the arrows wins, they were pretty much, we dominated the team. The most of the game, like this was their first win that they really, it was really close to near the end. Almost all their other games that were close to the end, they ended up losing. So this this was a real gutsy win for the arrows to pull off. Um, I think, in all honesty, like the their game against Rooney is the best they played all year, um, without a doubt. The win against Rooney is the best they played all year, without a doubt. Um, I I don't I feel like this win might be, I guess the most maybe the biggest maybe the most important. Um, it's awesome to see like, you know, everything that the team has had to go through this year with the world's longest road trip, um, the world's longest rugby tour, whatever we're going to call it. Yeah. Um, you know, which is obviously, you know, has, has been tough on, on a lot of people and it's, you know, to see, to have the players go through that bit of a losing streak, um, have all the guys go away to international duty. And then, like you said, have the depth guys on the team step up and bring home, you know, end this losing streak, you know, set up a chance to, you know, maybe beat new England next week and end the season on a massive, on like a massive high note. Um, so yeah, I would put it right up there. Maybe, I mean, the game, against, the win against Rooney is the best they played all season for sure. Um, but this might be the, this might be the biggest, the biggest win or whatever, just because, yeah. You got to think like, it's just got to be like, I don't know. Like it just must've felt good. Like just, to yeah. In the wind well, especially the, the streak that they were on, they yeah, had so definitely. many brutal, like said, you heartbreaking losses. But like I said too, it's like you end the streak, but it's like, it's the depth guys that did it. 
Yeah. Like they weren't even there for all those losses. It's the depth. Yeah. It's the shared. But it's like, it was like, especially like, all right, we should just get into it. Andrew Ferguson was amazing in this game. Oh, yeah. Um, it was unreal. That, um, like, even just in the first half, and I think, I think in this game, it was, it was one thing that it's like in a lot of those games that they did lose, there was, there was never like a moment like this in the games that they lost where it was like one guy was like, I'm going to change the momentum of this game right now. Like they didn't have that big, like huge momentum swing, even though the games were close, there was never that like, right. It's like, like you say, we're like talking about like New York and stuff at the game against New York the week before it was like, okay, like there's the, tr- like, a you know, a try that gets allowed that maybe shouldn't. And it's like, okay, that's just like, you know, it's, doesn't make you feel all that great, I guess. Um, and it's like you kind of see like momentum slipping a little bit. But this was like one of those games where it was like, you know, the arrows are down at the half. Old Glory comes out in the half. Kieran Hearn puts up this ridiculous behind the back pass yeah. um, to DTS for a huge line break. Eventually that ends up being Corey Daniels scoring a try. So it's like you go down. Um, what would that have made it? That would have made it like, uh, what, 21-10? Um but like right so it's like you go down big and then you know and then you have just a line out like about eight meters into your own half and del vega tips it down to ferguson ferguson just steps the first two defenders completely untouched kicks the ball ahead has the race with tusatala and it looked like tusatala was going to win camera angle it totally looked like tusatala was winning this race and then he somehow snags the ball scores Right. And it's like, you can see the reaction of the team, how fired up everybody was watching that. It's the best try any arrow has scored all year. It's arguably the best try anybody in major league rugby has scored all year. Um, And you can see how fired up everybody was not to mention it's like Ferguson had the only try for the arrows in the first half too. Right. Where did he like went one-on-one with Mungo Mason and just rolled off Mungo Mason. Yeah score too which is also brilliant especially considering the defender was mungo mason um and then you kind of look at how like you watch the replay of like the ferguson try but don't even like watch the actual try watch all the arrows players watching the try and it's like i was like there's i think it was a big just a massive emotional boost that i don't think has necessarily happened in some of those games that they've played in during the losing streak right and then you look at what happens after and it's like they probably play what the best 10 minutes of the season like right after that um where they have you know detois scores a try right and that's another like you know it's well worked and you kind of go you know it's a well worked try try and it's like it ends up on in tukulet's hands tukulet goes through does the you know has a gets tackled has a great offload does the cool guys don't look at explosions doesn't even <laughs> watch the trois ground the catch the ball and ground it he just starts walking back to walking back to half cuz he knows he they just scored or whatever um does that and then you have you know you know taylor adams just throwing apps another great pass to detois which opens up a huge seam in Detroit, just a little flat ball to Sam Malcolm. Finally, after all the points that he has scored in Major League Rugby, finally gets his first yeah. LR try, which was like the cool. I was thinking to myself, I'd be like, it'd be really cool if, if Sam yeah. Malcolm could score today. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, oh, my. and you know what? And it's like, hey, he, he, like, even as he's running, I'm like, yeah, he finally, he got a try. 
Like after everything he's yeah. done for this team, all the points that he scored, Sammy the boot, like the, like his kicking ability unmatched by most in major league rugby. And he finally gets gets a five pointer, right? Um, and you know, it's like to see that, and it's like, and then you know, that gives you know, they you know, that's a bit of an insurance try, and then they like you know, they lock it down from there. Um, old glory obviously gets one more try. Taylor Adams clinches it with a penalty, and you know, it was but it was like the energy that happened, I think, coming off Ferguson's try, um, was just ultimately like it was brilliant, and then. It was, and it was just like, okay, for the next 10 minutes, it was like the arrows could do no wrong for like 10 minutes. It was just the attack worked magnificently. Um, every pass was open up holes. Um, they were making old glory guys miss tackles. Um, and yeah, it was it was a massive, massive change in like the tide of the game. Um, from Andrew from that basic what is essentially amounted to just a, a solo effort from Andrew Ferguson that completely completely changed the momentum of that game. Yeah, it's, it's um, I think Taylor Adams had a, had a strong game too, especially in the first half with his kick. Well, Taylor ability. Adams amazing in this game too. Yeah. Yeah. And they named man of the match by the rugby network. So, you yeah. know, they've, they've got a tough test ahead of them. Um, if, if they always played like this, they're having a good chance of winning. Um, all right. Well, we gotta we gotta finish up, Derek, because there are are a couple more things that we want to talk about. Um, MLR announced today that they have um, kind of reached a kind of uh, point in their academy programs. Um, so all MLR, all twelve MLR teams have started their academy programs with everyone being two thirds completed minimum. Um, so. Uh, that is that is awesome news to hear that everybody has an academy program going. My question to you, Derek, is what do you want to see as the next steps for the academy systems in MLR? Um, for me, it's getting a provincial a provincial tournament yeah. system set up. I mean, I don't want to send Toronto to play whoever. You know, let's set it up. There's an East Coast, there's a West Coast. Let's make things easier for teams. The Toronto. Arrows Academy goes down and plays, does a tour. They, you know, they play a bunch of teams and then teams have a chance to come up and play Toronto. I think that is the simplest way you can do it right now. Saves costs. Um, I don't see any reason why it can't be any less complicated than that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's really it. I think it's great to see that. Um, obviously the incentives that major league rugby put out were obviously, you know, friendly great incentives um get, yeah gets everybody on board when you see uh you know more salary cap space and things like that as part of the incentives um so i like i think i think it's great i think you know it, it's really cool seeing teams building like you know those grassroots the grassroots development but also like you know the those academies that are out there like the Aero senior academy like the independence um rugby htx pathway 404 all that kind of stuff um LA's, LA's academy has played a couple of games already LA, yeah LA's academy yeah they played a game against like the cross uh, colorado the crossover and i think they played in somebody else too um so like I, I think it's great to kind of see not only the grassroots level but also like high performance academy programs kind of starting them um i do think i i agree with what you're saying though dan is i think like the, for the academy like the actual like for the grassroots program all like all i want to see is each club just keeps doing it keep doing what you're doing yeah growing um you know whatever you think is best to grow the game in your local community um keep doing it 
right? Um, you know, keep, you know, bring, bring the game into the schools, bring it into high schools, um, you know, maybe identify some of like the, you know, the, the top kids that are like 15 or whatever years old as like, as it could potentially, you know, play MLR in the future, get them into like, you know, your higher level um, academy programs. Um, I think, yeah. So it's like, I think it's um, like, I think it'll be brilliant to, um, uh to kind of have them to kind of have them doing that um i do think i do agree with what you're saying though dan is like i think for the senior academies um we have to uh we have to get to the point where it's like they're playing each other yeah like they, there needs to be meaningful yeah. games being played yeah. out of this otherwise yeah. what's the point of having academies yeah exactly play they have to play each other and that's yeah. i think that's the next step um, okay um well we got some other news to talk about um we- we got to do the other MLR games this weekend too. You want? All right. Well, let's talk about them. What was your your game of the weekend, Derek? Because uh, there were some <laughs> big games that came out of this weekend. Yeah, I, all the games were big this weekend. I think, obviously, no. You can make a case that the San Diego SeaWolves game was kind of eh. maybe, but we are the Rouge Rugby podcast, and we talk about Canadian players, and um, the other two games didn't have Canadian players in them. And the Seawolves have probably the Canadian that is playing the best right now. Um, because Travis Larson, once again, since he has been traded to Seattle, has found is just been an absolute monster. Yeah, it's uh, insane that he wasn't named to the the 15s, yeah, uh, the Geico 15 team of the week because he played like unreal, yeah, unreal. Um, he had you know, once again, you know, just once again, led the, led the Seawolves and tackles, um, was at like almost every ruck, had a ton of carries, um, and apparently, according to his Instagram, played at least part of that game because he played 80 minutes. So apparently he played at least part of this game with like a dislocated elbow um, that he got healed up after, um, went to the hospital or whatever, posted that on Instagram. Um, and he, he's been – he's so – so Seattle gives out that like forward pa- like leader of the pack award or whatever. Yep. Travis Larson has won that all three games that he has played for the Seawolves. Like he he like I I don't know like Seawolves like whatever you have planned for next year sign this dude right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, and 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 even no negotiation like be like hey Travis how much do you want because we um before you came here we stunk and now that you are here. Um, we still kind of stink, but at least you're yeah. really good. <laughs> you're like the Febreze on after like after like a, a really stinky poop. Like you yeah, cover exactly. a little bit of the stink and it's nice. Yeah, no, it um, still smells bad, but you're making it a little bit better. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think like Larson, obviously, and I mean like that that game was just wow. Like Seattle's um, Seattle's Seattle's not good. Um, but Travis Larson's playing probably yeah like the best of any Canadian in the league right now. Um, especially since a bunch of guys went to yeah. play for Team Canada. Yeah, um, the New England New York game was it was was fun too. Um, it was nice to see uh, New York or New England finish their mm-hmm. their home home game. Yeah, uh, at their at their old stadium on a high. Um, wet wet rugby is always kind of interesting. It's like it's going to go one way or the other, and um, and then like New England just kind of exploded in the uh, like late in the second half too. I thought yeah. it was this is like a lot of that game was like a lot of like the you know the physicality. Obviously, when you have that weather, it's going to be a physical matchup. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then like the tries that New England starts scoring are like grubber kicks through that guys are like yeah. running onto and stuff. And then it's like, oh, okay. Like yeah, Walker had an unreal up. game. Yeah, exactly. Walker did have an unreal game. Um, I was like, yeah, you guys figured out how to play in the weather. Nice. Um, and I think though, but that has to lead me because it's like the real reason I think we got to talk about these games is just because like the massive playoff implications that happen now because of the results. Because obviously the other game is the game of the the true game of the week, which was Nola Heno Dirksen scoring the game winning try with three minutes left. Yeah, to beat the LA Giltinis at home for the first time. Um, which un- unreal performance from from Nola. They you know. LA got up to a 14 nothing lead too, and they came back. And then Nola had to, you know, claw their way back for it. Um, and yeah, Dirksen with the unreal try to win it. Um, but I just think like the actual way, like the the one reason that it's like I love MLR and the season has been so fun is because it's just kind of building, like the drama just keeps building. And what happened this past weekend? So the Free Jacks beat Rooney. Um, which one not only technically keeps the free jacks mathematically alive um so that they needed that because they're technically alive. yeah it's they need a lot of help but they can still technically make the playoffs um based on math um but it, it brought nola and rooney so the nola win combined with rooney losing brings them to 46 points in the table and they've wow. got the draw which makes them second place yeah exactly so they got the they got the draw yeah but who cares? Because they're not ending. Neither one of them is ending the season with the same amount of points. Like it's not happening. Um, because so you have Nola. So Nola plays um, Nola plays Seattle this week, and Rooney oh, yeah. plays Houston. Okay, oh, two must-win games. And by gosh, you better. If you don't win this year. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you do not beat the two worst teams in the league, you. You yeah, it's fair. You don't make the playoffs. It's fine. But the brilliant thing is, so let's assume they both win those games, and hell, let's assume they both get bonus points in those games, um, mm. because it's Utah or sorry, it's because it's Houston and Nola. The f- Nola plays Rooney in Week Eight. Oh yeah, which oh, yeah. Is- it's like that Gronk uh, meme. It's like oh yeah, it's all coming together. Yeah, exactly. It's Love all it. coming together. It's- and then on the West Coast, you got you got. The two Giltini teams playing each other. We're final. Like no matter yeah. what, arguably no matter what happens this weekend, it's we have a quarter final on uh yeah on week 18, right? Um sorry, Dan, what were you gonna say too? You well, know? I'm just saying that Austin plays LA this week and Utah yeah. plays rugby ATL. Yeah. So and then this Utah weekend LA the week after, too. So they both yeah. have LA. Like there is going to be crazy implications one way or another yeah. about how this all ends up. So, uh, yeah, yeah they're still tied. Really interesting how this turns uh, out. And then, yeah, exactly. So the big difference, though, I think, like Austin has old glory as the last team that they played. Oh yeah, so it's a, yeah, that's that's a that might be friendly, a, friendly. That might be. But the thing is, though, too, is because of the bonus points, like. If Utah can get a bonus point and one win, they're probably in anyways mm-hmm. because of how much less the bonus because Utah um, Utah's got five more bonus points, so they they're they're ahead by five points. So if they, I don't know, it doesn't look like they have their 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 three play like mm-hmm. best player four best players are gone from their back for their from, from their for, backs. Yeah, exactly. for, Basca, Whiting. Teo and Cruze are all gone. 
you're right but we but nola had no pack and um they beat they beat at los angeles so at home in that <sighs> Anyway, and they had the really cool thing where they all sat on the field and watched Fourth of July. That was cute. That was nice. With, with like their kids. Yeah. The, these next few weeks are really going to be uh, amazing. All right. Amazing. Okay. The last thing we want to talk about before we make our uh, predictions is uh, actually pretty, really, really cool. Um, CBC uh, has made a uh, documentary called In Our Blood, and it is about the Canadian Women's Sevens program. Um, it's, it focuses a lot on the Rio 2016 and how they felt about that. They interview Jazane uh, Landry and uh, some of the other players from that tournament. And then they talk about um, leading up to this one, what their expectations are, what they, um, how they felt the tour has gone. Um, they hilariously call um, the, the world series tournament that they won the world cup yeah. in 2019. So I'm like one of two things, either, the the temp that you know edited this in did not know you know got confused with the men's world cup or they thought that they were all called the world cup and doesn't understand how the series works either way that was a little funny um i thought the intro was i i when i first heard the intro i'm like oh my gosh like this is gonna be brutal because they were talking about how they had a coaching change and i'm like this isn't just like there was a lot more that had to do with, with John Tate leaving the program than just a coaching change. And I'm glad that yeah. they addressed it in the documentary. I mean, even, even, I, um, I just, I thought they addressed it in, in like the vaguest way that they could. Oh yeah. And I was about to say, I wish that they went to more detail yeah. about it yeah. other than the fact that they were unhappy with the code of conduct. Yeah. Like that, that's really what it was. It was, uh, I think we, it was know, there was no new information. It was, we yeah. part of me wants to respect the privacy and the other side of it is just like, I feel like you are going to support your cause more if, if you could just give us a little bit more about yes, yeah. but you know, we're, we're a Canadian rugby podcast. We're, we're nosy for a reason. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, other than that, I mean, I thought it was cool for the most part, like, um, seemed to really kind of focus on Jazane Landry, Bianca Ferrella, Charity Williams, um, so I guess those are kind of going to be the three players that Rugby Canada is kind of pushing for a little bit of marketability and stuff at the Olympics. Sure. Um, it was cool. Like, I feel like it was cool to see, like, they kind of dove into, like, a Williams, like, you know, um, like family and, and family yeah. a little bit. So that was kind of a cool um, little element of, of the, um, of the documentary. I think the, um, I think the biggest, I think the one other thing I thought was really cool was when Olivia apps was talking about um, how like watching the team win a bronze medal kind of was like, Oh, I really want to play for this team now or whatever. That little bit of yeah, that was really cool stuff. That was cool. Um, but I think watching the documentary and stuff, which, which was, which is entertaining. It was on YouTube and like CBC gem, which CBC gem might be the most underrated streaming service on the planet. Um, but they also have like a really cool, if anybody, CBC gem, if anybody wants, there is a full out like history of rugby documentary on there. It's like six parts and it just goes from like the 1800s all the way up until like the, uh, just before the Japan world cup, I think, um, which is amazing. So there's some good rugby content. There's also a pretty relatively bad made for TV Jonah Lomu documentary or Jonah Lomu like um, drama show, which is pretty, not the, greatest movie um to be quite honest with you um but yeah i think i think the one thing though with this that they really kind of hit home was especially at the end 
um, was that this team can win a gold medal. And it's the last, I think the last like 15, like the last, like maybe five to 10 minutes of it was essentially a hype video for like, yeah, it was just really cool. And it gets, gets me excited. We're going to go win a gold medal. Um, so that, that, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, go check it out if you, uh, you know, it's only like what, 25 minutes, 27 minutes. Yeah. yeah like just under half an hour. Yeah. So, I mean, did it while do uh, watch it while doing the dishes last I, night. Yeah. So. It's on CBC gem. It's on YouTube. So if anybody's listening from not from Canada, you can always get it on the uh, CBC sports YouTube page. Um, yeah. So I, I'd recommend going to check it out. I mean, it's one of those things too, where, um, you know, if you want to see more rugby content coming from these, uh, you know, large outlets, these large ones, mm-hmm. CBC sports, TSN sports net, whoever it may be. Um, you got to make like, you know, you kind of got to support it when they do it. So um, I would, uh, you know, recommend definitely go check it out and watch it. And um, you know, like I said, the last 10 minutes is a hype video. So it's uh, you kind of, it gets you a little fired up at the end. All right, Derek, well, let's finish off by doing our, our guesses because this week, uh, so we're, I wanted to give kind of an idea next week. We're going to kind of give the whole kind of scheme of what everyone's uh, um, records are, but I want to just do you and I, because it is a dog race between the two, two of us. You have a record of 51, 40 and one. I have a record of 54, 37 and 11. I wanted to bring it up because by next week, the, the tables could have turned and you know, you could have, have a higher record. So, yeah. Knowing that that you are now behind, got to think about about your picks wisely. Don't just vote with your heart; you got to vote with your brain too. Oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's tough. We'll see. We got two weeks to pull pull out the W here, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. You're usually you're hopefully usually I for uh, I think you're overdue for like a crap like <laughs> one in five week or something. So oh boy well this is the week to do it there are a lot of really close matches minus nolan and seattle and okay well let's get in the first one so rooney versus houston this is a slam dunk decision for me i was see that's the thing it's like i'm almost like oh like in order to catch you i probably gotta pick different and like get a win but it's like um like yeah, it's uh, it, this might end up looking like Canada versus Wales, except for the fact that we won't be able to say positive things about Houston after. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Old Glory DC versus San Diego. Ooh. Um, I think I think I gotta take San Diego on this. You take San Diego. Not really any deep analysis, just. Yeah, I'm feeling San Diego as well. This is a this is a big one. LA versus Austin. Oh my god, this is a big one. Um Austin needs this badly. LA doesn't really need this at all. I think they're kind of coasting into the playoffs at this point. Um maybe they probably want to bounce back though. Does LA lose two in a row at home? They've never lost yeah. in a row ever. They yeah. Lose two in a row at home. It's a good point. I mean, Austin's coming off the bye. You know, they're going to have some bodies that are going to be healed up. I mean, they are missing, you know, they're missing Will McGee, Bryce Campbell, Cole Davis. Yep. You know. They are. They are. LA's missing. Regan O'Gorman. Um, All right. 
So uh, who who are you taking in this one? Oh God, Derek, I don't know. Ah, uh, a part of me says I want to pick Austin because I know they weren't happy with their their match against LA, and I and I I believe. After that game, they put Kurt Morath at fly half, and it's just been a different. It's been a that's been a game changer for their offense. Um, you know, Mac Mason was serviceable, but Kurt Morath has shown his class and has really kind of, you know, done the work. I'm gonna go with Austin. I'm gonna say Austin. That's perfect because I'm gonna say LA. And I was going to say Austin if you picked LA because I kind of do need to catch up to you and I'm not going to do it by having the exact same picks the whole way across the board. But my gut was being like LA is going to win this game. Yeah. Happy that you picked Austin anyway. So I get to feel confident about my pick instead of being like, instead of having to pick the team I didn't want just yeah. to catch up to you. So I feel confident about this one. So we'll go. We'll go uh, yeah. We'll so go. so I, I don't want to forget him in the Toonie again. So Stu has gone with Rooney as well. He's basically picked the same as you, Rooney, San Diego, LA. Um, the Tooney is all over the place. Houston, Old Glory, Austin. Uh, so yeah. Either either, you know, I, I do like I like this, Dan. This is now that you're just saying what Stu's picks are, so it's less editing for me. I like this. Um, so yeah, I, I do find it funny. I do find it funny though, we got uh Stu and the Tooney so far through the first three games, the complete opposite of each other feel like yeah I, i'd have to watch the video and be like did he just look at the tuning and go pick the opposite <laughs> oh i don't i don't know but do i even have to put the video in if we're just no gonna... you don't have to do it this week buddy we'll give you a break this week oh, yes sorry Stu. Yeah, i gotta but, uh, he's gotta, a busy guy yeah we got training training starting but we're allowed to go play sports again so i got training yeah um, okay well um then i'll give you i'll give you their picks Stu's picked Utah. Let's just let's do it as oh for this game. Yeah. Yeah. Stu's picked Utah. The Toonies picked rugby ATL. I'm going with rugby ATL. Um, I I don't think listen, I know that Nola got the win from from LA and and you know it was a magical moment and all this stuff, but I think when you come back down to reality, rugby ATL does not have a whole lot of injuries. They've lost two three guys to international duty Wengluski, keys and reese mm-hmm. they still have a ton of finishers guys that are coming back like kurt coleman yeah. uh ryan nell like they've got guys coming back that are like starters i know on any any team in mlr you know, so well, I guess both these teams are coming off a of bye so i said yeah and, and utah is missing and i mentioned it they're best backs they're finishers the guys that are stirring the drink yeah they're down basca they're down hearse they don't even have their backup yeah they're down. whiting teo teo and cruze oh man are you going to bet on another miracle see that's the thing i'm thinking of this because i'm looking at it and it's like i do kind of want to catch you and i'm like if we pick if we pick too much of the same, because I'm looking at the next two matchups and I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, right. Because like, I mean, come on the next two matchups. Yeah. Oh, those are easy. Um, you know, I, I think I have, I have to do it. I agree with why you're picking rugby ATL because rug like rugby for all those reasons you said, Utah's missing some of their best guys. I still think rugby ATL is probably 
you know, even if they're not ranked there, I think they have the best defensive system and they play the best defense overall in the league, which could be challenging for Utah. But I have to, I'm picking Utah because I have to beat you. So the only way way I'm catching up to you is if I win games that you lose. Yeah. We we already got we got yeah that's the only way I'm catching you so we already got a we already got a couple uh couple of the same picks here so I gotta I gotta mix it in a little bit. Uh Toronto versus the Free Jacks. This is you know what? Why I have I, to because I'm picking Toronto. I feel very. Uh, this is the first time in, in a couple of weeks where I f- have felt confident picking Toronto. Oh, see, after their. <laughs> pardon me. Winning will do that. Yeah, winning will do that. But even just in the mat, like if. Old Glory had come back and score a try to win it. Like, I at least would have been confident with the play at the first part, you know, the rest of the game. Right. You know? Um, okay. Uh, last game of the week Nola versus Seattle. Yeah, this is why I picked Utah. <laughs> um, because, like, I know this is the funny thing is because I know we like, we were like, oh, like Nola has, is missing so many guys, and they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they beat LA with while missing so many of those guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, so initially I was like, oh, maybe, maybe they're missing so many. Like the thing is I like, I watched Seattle too. And it's like Travis Larson has been absolutely insane and he is injured now. So he's not playing. Um, and um, I still think there is, except for week 18, when not only do we get Rooney versus Nola to decide a playoff spot, but we're going to get Seattle versus Houston to decide wooden spoon as well. Um, so with the exception of that game next week, there is no reason to pick Seattle. I'm not even convinced there's a reason to pick Seattle next week, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, so Nola. Yeah, I'm picking Nola too. I mean, I'll, you want, yeah, we'll, we'll have a discussion next week about, about Nola versus Houston. Do you want to look at it just for fun? Two weeks out, we got week 17 and 18. Rugby ATL, NOLA, New England, and Rooney, only teams in the East that can make the playoffs. Yep. New England is admittedly a very outside shot at doing it, but they still technically are there. It's the Jim Carrey, so you're saying I have a chance. <laughs> um, and there's a chance. Kind yeah, of. yeah. That's New England right now. They need New England. So New England needs Rooney and NOLA to both lose to the two worst teams in the league. Um, while not getting bonus points. New England needs to win both of their games, and then Rooney and Nola need to tie with no bonus points for Rooney to make the playoffs. Who does uh, um, New, New England play next week? New, Eng- New England plays rugby ATL. Um, yeah, well, yeah. there you go. They, they got to win. They got to win both those games with bonus Toronto and rugby ATL. Um, with uh, with I wonder if they're just going to stay in Atlanta. No, I think uh, I'm not sure. I think I thought. Oh no, they've got a home game. A home game. It's yeah. it's, it's a home game. They probably yeah. will stay in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, so you have that. Um, so two weeks out, and the West obviously L.A., Utah, Austin. Who two weeks out? Who makes the playoffs? What's the prediction, Dan? We'll go with that. It has nothing to do with my record that I already have. No, oh, do you want? Okay, to be- no, no, I I don't see any reason. I think it's going to be. Oof. Dude, this is a toughie. Yeah, well, I'm going to go with Rugby ATL Nola. Rugby ATL Nola? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this this past week has really given I, the both. In the preseason, I said Nola would make the playoffs. 
so I think I still want I want to stick with Nola just because I I don't want to get none of the playoff teams right. <laughs> so I want to get at least one team that I picked in the playoffs. So I think I'll go. Yeah, I think I'll fall. I think I'll agree with you on that. I think I'll go rugby. All right. Um, and then in the West, who you like in the West? Oh, I I think it's Utah. Utah, Utah, LA. I don't think that. I mean, I mean, do you, honestly, the only reason I think it'll be Utah too, because obviously Utah has the much more difficult final two games. Um, but I think the fact that they have so many more bonus bonus points, Austin, I think them buys them a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. We'll though. see. All right. Well, folks, thank you for listening to this episode. Um, if you want to listen to more of our episodes, uh, last week we interviewed Brian Ray picked his brain about kind of the state of MLR, the arrows, rugby Canada, kind of asked him a whole bunch of questions. So, so it was a great episode. So tune into that one, um, see what he had to say about a bunch of different subjects. Um, and we have tons of other interviews, um, you know, members of the kind of the coaching environments in rugby Canada, players in the rugby Canada environment and arrows environment. Um, and uh, just previous episodes about the world cup, about um, leading into this MLR season, previous MLR seasons, we've got, we've covered almost all of it. So, um, thank you everyone for listening. Um, this is going to be the last arrows game of the season and it's going to be the last rugby Canada game until the fall. So enjoy it, have some drinks and, uh, stay safe.